What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. Here recently, I came across a coffee mug that had Dad's favorite sayings written on it. Might be a good idea to get for your father if you're able to. The first one said, because I said so. How many times have you ever heard your dad say that one? Well, I know I did. Number two, money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah, that's a true one. Number three, you're grounded till you're 30. Now, I never heard that one, but I know many of you probably did. Number four, don't make me stop this car. Number five, it builds character. Number six, you don't know what hard work is. Oh, man, that's a good one. Number seven, were you raised in a barn? Number eight, go ask your mother. Hmm. Number nine, a little bit of dirt never hurt anyone. And number 10, here's a good one. When I was your age, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, you had to walk uphill both ways to school in the snow. I know you did. You know, of course, today is Father's Day, and we wish all of you fathers happy Father's Day. But you know, as we think about the life of Moses, many times we, we view him as a, a great leader, leading the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. We view him as a redeemer who came back in and, and redeemed the people of Israel out of the bondage of slavery. We think about him as a deliverer who delivered them from the trials they experienced in Egypt, and we also view him as a lawgiver. Because he went on top of Mount Sinai and received the law of God that God gave to him. But there is one characteristic that we often overlook in this man's life. And that was that Moses was a father. So the title of my message today is simply The Faith of Moses Part 4. And this will be the last message on Moses specifically from the book of Hebrews here. But, but imagine, if you will, in Exodus chapter 1, we, we, we've studied how Pharaoh made a decree to kill all the little baby boys, but the Hebrew boys specifically. In Exodus chapter 2, we find that, that Moses was placed on the side of the river and the Egyptians found him and adopted him and, take to, and took him in their family and raised him, but his biological mother got to raise him. He is now grown and he leaves and goes out of the land of Egypt to Midian. He finds his wife. And in the course of those events, we see that he had two specific sons. One was the name of Gershom, and it simply means sojourner there. And the other was Eliezer, and that name means my God is helper. And today, as we think about the man Moses, we realize that Moses was also a father. A a figure that we can all look to, but especially every man and father could look to today on how to raise their children. Now, that being said, I have a key thought I want to share with you. As we think about this scene in the life of Moses from verse 28 through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood and lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch him. As I've been meditating in this verse and the life of Moses, here's the thought I want to give you today. 
Faith in action. Could you say that with me? Faith in action. And if I could elaborate on that, it's this. Faith in action is a demonstration of knowing the God of salvation. Remember, throughout the writer of Hebrews, here in chapter 11, he always uses the word by faith, by faith, by faith. Ironically enough, verse 28 is the only time, it's the exact same word that's used in each of these verses, but for some reason or the other, the translators chose to use through faith, but all it means is by faith. So here, by faith, this idea of total reliance and dependence upon God for everything, but specifically salvation. We rely on God to save us from our sins. And we do that totally by faith. And faith, there is an aspect of faith that produces belief. And we know that is all by faith. And then after we receive that faith that produces belief, faith also produces obedience, or if you will, action. So faith and action is a demonstration of knowing the God of salvation. And here in this scene of Moses' life and amid the characters in Hebrews chapter 11, we see that they, yes, they had faith in God. Yes, they believed by faith in the promises of the Messiah that would come and the promises that God gave to them, but they also acted upon that faith that they had. And today, I think it's important that if we call ourselves Christians, especially if we're men today or if you're a father today and you call yourself a Christian, it is important that we're leading by example and demonstrating our faith in action each and every day. In Exodus chapter 3, we remember that Moses heard the voice of God speaking out of that burning bush. In Exodus chapter 4, God begins to instruct Moses on how to speak and use these signs to capture the Israelites' attention and recruited Aaron for his help. In Exodus chapter 5, Moses and Aaron walk into the court of Pharaoh and give their initial request, hey, God has called his people out of this land to go sacrifice and worship the Lord. And their request is denied. In Exodus chapter 5. But in Exodus chapter 6, we see that God speaks to Moses. And God reminds Moses of the promises that he gave him. God begins to demonstrate how he's heard the groanings or the prayers of the Israelites in Egypt. And now he is here to respond. And in chapter 7 is the inauguration of these mighty plagues that God unleashed upon the Egyptian world. In Exodus chapter 7, we read about this plague of blood, where the Nile, along with the other waters of Egypt, were turned into blood, and Pharaoh did not let the people go. The frogs are unleashed, and he still denied them to leave, but he actually, in this moment, promises to let them go and then change his mind. Out of all these plagues, I think the worst would be the frogs. Have you ever seen a little toad or a little frog hopping around? We have them here around our property, and sometimes these kids like to put them in their hands and, and try to throw them at other people. Well, I don't like those frogs or little toads. I don't want the warts that they give. I don't want them. I don't want frogs in my house. I mean, just imagine you're in Pharaoh's palace, and you have frogs jumping on your bed and inside your pillow. No thank you. No thank you. But that was one of them. The other one was gnats that were plaguing Egypt. And still Pharaoh said, Israel cannot go. Flies come to swarm the houses in the land. And he 
promises to let them go and then changes his mind. In Exodus chapter 9, we see the livestock are, are, are dying and Pharaoh still would not let them go. Then the boils, festering boils, would break out upon the Egyptians and their animals, but still Pharaoh said, no, you're not going to go. Then in chapter 9 of Exodus, the hail begins to pour down and strikes down everything in the fields, the humans, the animals, and the trees. And Pharaoh asks for forgiveness, promises to let the people go, and changes his mind. In Exodus chapter 10, we read about these locusts that came and devoured all the plants in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh asked for forgiveness in this section and still denied the people the privilege to go then darkness. Have you ever been inside of a cave or a cavern like Dixie Caverns? And you go into those places and they will turn the lights off at some point to demonstrate what total darkness is. No light whatsoever. Can you imagine that plague that God gave them? Pharaoh in that moment promises to let them go but then changes mind again. And then the final plague is where we are today in our passage. But before we get into that, here's the question I want to ask. What does the life of Moses teach us about faith in action? What can we learn about Moses' faith? How he acted out in faith and did what God commanded him to do. How can we do the same in our life today? But remember, faith in action is a demonstration of knowing the God of salvation. It's what James said in the book of James. Remember what he said? He said, faith without works is dead. In other words, a car without gas cannot run. If you claim that you have faith in God, then those works are going to demonstrate and give the evidence in this culture that you believe in the one you say you believe. So what can we learn, Mr. Moses, Brother Moses, about this firstborn plague that came and all the firstborn in Egypt and the firstborn of the cattle, they died. What can we learn when Pharaoh finally says, all right, Israel, get out of Dodge. But then he changed his mind only to chase them down to be swallowed up by the Red Sea. Through faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28 says, he kept the Passover. Would you say Passover with me? Passover. The first thought I want to share with you, well, really, in each of these points, I have two thoughts. I have one thought that's kind of an interpretation thought, and then I have a second thought that's more of an applicational thought. So consider this. Faith and action, then. So faith and action back in the days of Moses was the, in, the initiation of the Passover. Here it says, by faith or through faith, he kept the Passover. The idea here is not just that he kept it in that one moment, but throughout the course of Israel's history, they were to look back in this moment of time and remember how God delivered them from the bondage of Egypt. If you got your Bibles, would you turn back to Exodus chapter 11? In Exodus chapter 11, we read that, that God begins to tell Moses that, hey, all the firstborn of the cattle, the beasts, all the firstborn in the homes, they're going to die. And he says, I will bring one more plague upon the land of Egypt and upon Pharaoh. And after this one, he is going to let you go. And he did. Verse 2 says that he goes and he speaks to every man. And he says, go and if you have to, borrow of your neighbor. Borrow, borrow from, from the, every woman and, and every level of society to get the jewels and all these different things. And he says in verse number three, God gave the people favor, a favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt 
in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Now, I, I thought it was interesting. Earlier in the book of Exodus, the Bible says that God was going to make Moses like a God to Pharaoh. In other words, that the abilities that, that God was unleashing upon Egypt, it was as if God was using Moses to do that. And in Pharaoh's eyes, Moses was going to be a godlike figure in his presence. But we know Moses was just a man like you and me that God had his hand upon and used. And here he begins to instruct them in verse number four at midnight. He is going to go in the middle of Egypt and all the firstborn in the land is going to die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sits upon his very throne, even to the firstborn of all the servants that is behind the very mills of the society in which they lived and all of the beasts. And eventually, verse 8, and on, Pharaoh would finally let them go. And I'm leaving some of the details out before we get to chapter 12, but, but you know some of the details. It was much more than just this firstborn dying. But here is the initiation of this Passover. Once a year, for a period of several days, the Israelites even now celebrate and look back at this amazing event when God raised up Moses at 80 years of age and God raised up Aaron at, at the age of 83 to go into Pharaoh's court in his palace and say, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. Faith in action then was the initiation of the Passover. But what does this have to do with you and me today? We don't celebrate the Passover like they did then and like some of the Jewish people do today. But I will say this, that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 7, Paul the Apostle is writing to this church in Corinth, who's a, one messed up church. I mean, he's kind of like the Church of America today. This church was one messed up church. And, he, and he, he, he says, in the middle of all his discussion, he says, Christ is our Passover. So here, in the book of Exodus, chapter 11 and chapter 12, and in this entire scene, Keep in mind, all these plagues are being unleashed. And some commentators say that all these plagues are a specific, a specific to the gods of Egypt. And God was delivering how he is the true God. And then he's delivering that through this celebration of this Passover, one day there's going to be a Passover lamb that will be slain. And his name is Jesus. So faith in action today will affirm the Passover lamb is Christ. Today, you don't have to go into your backyard and get a little animal without spot and blemish, and slay it, and put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel, the top of the doorframe. You don't have to do that today because 2,000 years ago, my friends, Jesus Christ tabernacled in flesh, but without sin. And there he was slain gruesomely on the cross and his blood was shed so that we could have eternal life. And that leads me to point number two. Faith in action then was the initiation of the Passover. Faith in action today will affirm the Passover lamb is Christ. But then check it out now. Point number two. Looking back in the time in which Moses was alive, faith in action then was the application of the blood. Could you imagine being in the Israelite shoes and Moses comes and says, all right, everybody, if you got them in the backyard, go get them. But if you have to, borrow from your neighbor. Find a 
lamb without spot, without blemish, with no defects on him. You're going to kill that animal. You're going to take the blood of that animal and you're going to paint it on the frames of your door, on the side and on the top. And then the sign in which God will show mercy upon that household is that blood there. And your firstborn will not die. I don't know, I would probably look at old brother Moses and say, Brother Moses, um, isn't there another way we could do this? But then again, here there is no indication that the Israelites bucked his authority in this moment. In fact, they submitted, and I believe the reason why is because they just witnessed God thundering down the frogs and the, the flies and the gnats and all the, the darkness and everything else. And so, of course, they're going to willingly comply to the request that God is speaking through Moses. And so there they killed that animal. And in Hebrews chapter 11... In verse 28, the verse, it not only says through faith or by faith, he, Moses, and, and of course, the all of Israel kept the Passover, but then it says, and the sprinkling of the blood. Now, this word sprinkling, it gives the idea of the shedding of blood. So an animal had to die so that they could take that blood and put it on the doorframe. What does this remind you of? In fact, if you just look at the doorframe, any doorframe, you have the side and the top. And if you put a dot of blood up here and a dot on the side here, it is literally a picture of the cross. And so as we think about this scene in Exodus chapter 12, where God begins to unpack all of these specific directions on specific time of the month, on a specific day of the month of what all they do, and then putting the blood in the doorframes here, the Bible says that in verse number, number 12, look at this verse of Exodus chapter 12. It says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. And will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And he goes on to say, And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Check it out now. He says, I am the Lord. This is the Lord for Jehovah. This is the, the name of God that he would eventually reveal himself to his people. And then verse 13, I love this verse. It says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And then he says, And this day shall be for you a memorial. Now, we don't celebrate the Passover like the Israelites did then, but what we do is we have communion on the Lord's table. And what is a very similar process that just as that lamb was slain and they, and they honored that back in the days of, of Moses, now today we look back, we take that little piece of bread or that cracker, we take that juice and we look back and we have a memorial time of the atoning sacrifice of Christ. So check it out now. Faith in action then was the application of blood on the door frames. But faith in action today is applying the atoning sacrifice of Christ to your life. So I wonder, I wonder, if God were to pass over you today, would he see the blood of Christ covering you? Or would he see your religious attempts and works trying to cover your sins. My friends, the only way to receive the atonement is by faith. 
Remember what 1 John said? He said, it is the very blood of Christ that cleanses us. That gives the idea of the ability to have a purification process. Just like you might go to Walmart or Kroger or some other grocery store or some other store and you buy a little pitcher of water that has a filter on it and you put the water in the spigot in your sink and it goes into the water and then that filter, filtration system takes all, or they tell me it takes all the impurities out of it and you can drink pure water. The Bible tells here that the same process of the blood of Christ is able to cleanse us and purify us from all of our blemishes. And through the work of Christ, we are made whole in Him. And today I am thankful that by faith, His blood is covering me and sprinkled over top of me. I have been immersed in the cross because of my faith in Him. And so have you. But keep in mind, faith in action is a demonstration of knowing the God of salvation. Back in Moses' day, that Passover was initiated. Back in Moses' day, they took and applied the blood on the door frames. But then, thirdly, third point today, faith in action then was the salvation of the firstborn. Faith in action then was the salvation of the firstborn. In Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 28, it says, Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood. But then check it out now. It says, Lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch him. Now this word for destroyed is a unique term in the New Testament. And it means... In our minds, when we think of destroy, it means to demolish. And it means that. It also means to slay or to kill. Obviously, that would be the context that it's in, going back to Exodus chapter 12. But it also means spoil. So, I mean, have you ever had food that got bad and it spoiled? And you ate it and it made you sick? Well, sometime back, I decided I wanted some of that old-fashioned Dinner that my grandfather and my great-grandparents and my parents talked about, the beans and the cornbread. You ever had that? It's pretty good. Get some pinto beans, put it in that instant pot, and in a few minutes you got yourself a nice meal. And I had it out on the counter for a few days, and I just didn't think about it. I, I should have put it in the refrigerator, but I didn't. And uh, <laughs> so I put it in the bowl and just decided, oh, it'll be all right. And I ate it, and a couple hours later, I was sitting in the throne room, if you know what I mean. And all of my food came up. And it was, that spoiled food was slaying me pretty good. And I say that to say this, that this word destroyed, it gives the idea of a spoiling that takes place in such a way that slays somebody. And that's the idea here, that when we think about this phrase here, that God, whether it was he himself that walked through the streets or some type of angel of death that came through the streets, you know, we could talk about and discuss later on. But here it says that, that, that God destroyed those people who didn't have the blood covering the door frames of the homes. And so the firstborn was spared. The beauty today is that faith in action today will avoid the future judgment of Christ. One of these days, one of these days, very soon, either we will exit this life or if God is willing, we might go up in the rapture. Who knows? Only time will tell. 
But one of these days we will sit at the judgment seat of Christ as believers and give an account for how we lived our life as Christians. But all those who don't know Christ will not be as fortunate. They will be at what we call in Revelation the great white throne judgment there where God will declare them guilty of their sin because the blood is not covering them and will sentence them to eternal separation in a terrible place the Bible calls the lake of fire. Earlier in chapter 9 of the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment. And the Egyptians received 10 plagues from God through judgment. I actually see many parallels to the book of Exodus with the book of Revelation. That just as these, these plagues were unleashed upon Egypt, it was a type for one day in the book of Revelation when God says He's going to thunder down His judgments of trumpets and, and vials or bowls and, and all these different things are going to come down and His sealed judgments are going to come upon this earth in the near future. But check it out in, in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 29 and 30. It says, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon. No exceptions. Whether you're the prince of the kingdom or the Pharaoh and king or you're just a humble slave in jail. Nobody escaped. And then all the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. The only ones that were spared were the Hebrews that had the blood covering the door frames. You see, a lot of people think about the judgment of God as something that all my friends are going to be there, so I will happily spend eternity away from him. That is the most ignorant statement that you could ever say. Because any clear reading of Scripture will reveal that separation from God in eternity is a place of, of torment. It's a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth that just like the Egyptians cried out in grief for all eternity. Those who don't know Jesus will cry out because God's judgment will be hovering upon them day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, eternity to eternity. Faith and action today will avoid the judgment of Christ. Listen, just because somebody either believes the Bible or disbelieves the Bible is irrelevant to the fact that all of us will stand before him. If I'm correct in Paul's writing Hebrews, Paul is saying in chapter 9 that we will all go through the doorway death. We will all stand before God. Nobody's promised tomorrow. Life is short, so let's prepare for eternity. Faith in action is a demonstration of knowing the God of salvation. I wonder today, do you have faith that is in action, that's being lived out each and every day? Or I wonder, is today just a, a wake-up call for us to, to check ourselves so that we can get in the game and act out our faith each day? 
Now, not like an actor on a stage, not like an actor in a movie, because listen, they're portraying a role that's not real. It's not really themselves. I'm talking about living out faith each and every day in action. You know, when I think about this scene, about where the writer of Hebrews is saying, through faith he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of the blood, and the, the one that destroyed him would, would not touch them or slay them or kill them. I was reminded of a song that, that we used to sing in our old hymnal. It's number 319, and I want to read a song to you. This song is not in the celebration hymnal in your pew, so just listen carefully. Verse number one says, Christ our Redeemer died on the cross, died for the sinner, paid all his due. Sprinkle your soul with the blood of the Lamb. Verse 2 says, Chiefest of sinners, Jesus will save. Amen to that. All he has promised, that he will do. Wash in the fountain, opened for sin. Verse 3, Judgment is coming, all will be there. Each one receiving justly his due. Hide in the saving, sin-cleansing blood. Verse 4, O great compassion, O boundless love, O loving kindness, faithful and true. Find peace and shelter under the blood. And the chorus says, straight from Exodus, and I will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Faith in action is what God is calling us to engage in. What's up, guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm going to walk by, I'm going to keep my, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to walk by, I'm going to keep my, I'm going to live by faith. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith.